Hello and welcome to the second episode of WMQ&A, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. Bit of a short episode this week, but uh, Rob Lynch and I are going to be talking about Black Panther, which, uh, as of Sunday, had raked in an estimated $192 million over three days for the fifth biggest opening ever. Uh, the biggest opening for a movie in February, apologies to Deadpool, and the biggest opening for a black director. It's also the second biggest opening for a Marvel Studios film after the first Avengers in 2012. And let me tell you, every bit of that is earned. Here's me and Rob talking about it. All right, we're back, and uh, I'm joined by uh, past and future co-host Rob Lynch. Hello. And uh, we just saw Black Panther, not but a couple of hours ago, so we figured uh, we'd break it down. Quick first impressions for while, you? While it's still fresh. Uh, yeah. Wow, I'm still unpacking it. Um, I think I think the most immediate you know reaction was, I mean, the movie just felt good. You know, just a very wholesomely entertaining, thoughtful, you know, wonderful piece of work. I mean, not just as a comic book movie, but... As a movie, yes, yes. As as a film, uh, you know, the the first thing I, I said when you know after the credits was you know this felt like the freshest Marvel movie since the first Guardians. I mean, this this is MCU part nineteen, and there's still that shock of the new. Yeah, um, absolutely. Cast was fantastic. There, oh, re- there was not a weak link in the bunch. I, you know, I think you know the biggest arguments after this movie wasn't the fact you know whether it was good or not, but who stole the movie. Yeah, and and there are there are multiple themes. Yes, <laughs> uh, you know Letitia uh, uh, Wright. Yeah, I think it's Letitia Wright. Uh, Shuri, amazing. Mm-hmm. Probably my favorite character. Mm-hmm. Um, Mabaku, you know, otherwise known as the Man Ape in the books, <laughs> and he came out of nowhere and probably got one of the funniest lines in the film. <laughs> <laughs> now, comics most famous vegetarian. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, uh, Danny Guerrero. Uh, uh, Okoye, uh, amazing. Who finally got to really show her chops. I mean, she's got a very likable presence on The Walking Dead, but seeing her in this, I really grew to appreciate her. Yeah. Um, uh, Michael B. Jordan, mm-hmm. at Killmonger. You know, one thing the Marvel films has definitely suffered from is a lack of compelling villains. Not this time. Nailed, nailed it. Here's the thing, though. Can you really call him a villain? I mean, definitely an antagonist, but, you know, it, there's a classic thing where they said, you know, the best villains are the ones that are actually heroes in their own mind or, you know, in their own world and everything. And oh, he's definitely a hero in his own mind. I wouldn't yes. call him a, a, a hero in any other sense. He mm-hmm. killed a lot of people. Yeah. You know, I mean, not necessarily, well, he killed a couple people in the movie, but, you know, we're meant to believe all those scars on his body from or from one of his victims. But I just a, a, a totally sympathetic character. Yeah, no, de- definitely, definitely that though. Um, you know, I, I would say probably the most compelling villain since Loki. Yes. Oh, easily agreeable. Um, I think what really struck me the most about the movie now, really, you know, thinking mm-hmm. about how confident it was, and you know, coming from you know Ryan Coogler, I mean, whose body of work, I mean, is really racking up. I mean, you know. Came out of the gate with uh, Fruitvale Station, yeah. which, mm-hmm. you know, was kind of heralded as, you know, modern classic. And, of course, you think, okay, he's going to go with a sophomore slump. He's going to do a spinoff of Rocky, which sounded absolutely terrible on paper. And the thing about Creed and, you know, going back to, you know, my first reaction when it came out, probably the most unlikely great film this decade. I mean, it really is, you know, like a phenomenally entertaining 
you know, thoughtful film. Oh yeah, no, that that Creed's beautiful. I loved it. Yeah. Um. You know, he's kind of he's kind of the franchise king right now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, back to you know just how confident it is. I, you know, we're introduced to this whole new world. I mean, even though I mean, this is the nineteenth part of the you know the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we're still seeing new characters and you know this wonderful new location in Wakanda. Now you've seen nothing like this. I mean, even tech wise, like Tony Stark was supposed to be the tech guy. Yeah. Everything here was way out of any the league of any Iron Man uh, you know, mm-hmm. appearance. What kind of struck me is, you know, you can really see that a lesser film would have introduced or invented a character that is designed for the audience. You know, kind of be the cipher for the audience. You know, this is how, through them, we're going to learn who these characters are. This movie wastes no time showing us who these characters are, why we're going to like them, and, you know, you immediately fall in love with them. You don't need that. You don't, you know, I could see, you know, taking, like, the Ross character. Yeah, well, Edward K. Ross was designed as a POV character for Christopher Priest's Black Panther run. Mm -hmm. You don't even need it in this. No, I mean, he's there. Yeah. He's integral to the plot, but... Uh, um, speaking of the Tolkien white guys, um, <laughs> Andy Serkis is claw. Oh, he's a, he's a treasure. You know, I, I found him incredibly forced into Age of Ultron, a movie into which many things were forced, but, uh, he was charming and delightfully madcap, uh, in, in this movie, uh, as claw. And, uh, I loved the design of his prosthetic arm. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved his obsession with music. <laughs> Baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> No more. Yeah, uh, he sings a little bit. It's <laughs> it's fantastic. Um. Yeah. No. Again, not not a bad actor in, <laughs> in this movie. When you barely notice that Angela Bassett is in the movie, that that's speaking to the level of acting that is coming out of this. And when you forget that Sterling K. Brown is in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, and Lupita Nyong'o. <laughs> yeah. Um. And Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> No, everybody in the movie what really was uh, incredible. As far as villains versus antagonists, though, I would argue that M'Baku is is the antagonist, certainly more so than the villain. That They definitely play... Um, the Man-Ape really is a bad name for <laughs> that kind of villain. Antiquated but, name. Yeah. Yeah. Antiquated very, name. Very Silver Age. Yeah, yeah very, yes, uh, incredibly so. But, uh, you know, he surprises you. His yes. character surprises you. Very much, yes. He has a good arc in the movie. Um Daniel Kaluuya. There's another one. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I I don't know if there's talk of a sequel. Certainly, that probably... I Who could tell how far down the line that is? You know, we, we, when do we get a Phase 4 announcement? Like, I don't... Like, I, seriously. I, what, what do we know is coming beyond Ant-Man and the Wasp? I know they're... they're, they're being Captain pretty... Marvel. Yeah. Avengers 4. And then... Possible I mean, sequels. I mean, you know, a strange sequel. Uh, I think there's supposed to be a Strange 2 and a Spider-Man 2 and uh, a Guardians 3, but, you know. They have hinted at um, they want to go into direction more, like, with the Cosmic Line. Mm-hmm. And that the third Guardians film is going to kind of open that up a lot more. I know they're going to be introducing Adam Warlock, so um, part of me wonders if they're uh, kind of waiting to see how this Disney deal goes. Or, uh, sorry, Fox. The, the Fox deal goes. And how that can kind of smush the X-Men into everything. I mean, that's a, that's an entire slate kind of to itself right there, you know, between, you know, the Fantastic Four and the Silver Surfer and the X-Men and 
I mean, this is way off track. I don't really know how if you should even try to blend those two franchises together. Definitely bring the Fantastic Four into the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, find somebody who can give them the TLC that they desperately need. Um, you know, I think a Deadpool cameo would be fun, but generally, I think you keep the X Men separate. Yeah, kind of the way they used to be in the books. Um, it really wasn't until Onslaught, really, that. They were really kind of integrated more into the general Marvel universe. They were really kind of in their own corner. Well, Marvel in the 90s, I mean, there were definitely, like, it was a feudal system. There were fiefdoms. It Mm -hmm. was, you know, the Spider-Man books occupied this corner, and then the X-Men. And, you know, you didn't have the every year, let's mash all our toys together nonsense outside of, like, the the Infinity books. But that was only the first three years of the decade. Right, right. You know, it wasn't like now where it's like Civil War and Civil War Two and Secret Invasion and Secret Invasion Two, which isn't a thing, but I just run out of examples. But um wow, we got way off track. <laughs> <laughs> um post credit scenes. We got two of them. You know, I'm kind of amazed, you know, you gotta think that first without spoiling to the are we gonna deal with spoilers here or are we gonna keep it kind of uh Okay. Um <laughs> we didn't talk about this beforehand. There may be spoilers, so let that let that cloud your listening. <laughs> Let me put it to you this way: that 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 first sequence, um, I'm not sure exactly when it was actually filmed, but it, it, something tells me the word "shithole" just should have <laughs> belonged somewhere in there because that was definitely the vibe that got, you know, shithole nation. Yeah, uh, it's 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 a scene of diplomacy. That that one's actually really not the spoilery scene. Basically, it's T'Challa in front of the UN. <laughs> And it makes sense, given the arc of the movie, which deals heavily with Wakanda's role in the world. Or lack of, really. I mean, or lack thereof, yeah. Really sort of, you know, literally hidden nation mm-hmm. in plain sight. <laughs> yeah. Um, which makes me think, again, about the visual effects in this movie, which really were gorgeous. Wakanda was a, a beautiful colorful nation very much and and no more no more so than in the scenes where t'challa is challenging his right to the throne oh that was just gorgeous all the costuming uh, i mean there definitely should be some fashion design and set design Mm -hmm. you know awards talk just very for this visually and sonically lavish especially that scene i think more than anything else yeah um and even like the scenes in shuri's lab you know, I, I love her as sort of T'Challa's uh, cue. Yes, so, yes. So to speak. <laughs> um, and even, in fact, I would argue the chase scene in South Korea is r- straight out of a Bond film. You know, you have that wonderful casino fight and yeah. that wonderful, nice, unbroken, single-take fight scene, which I, I thought was really incredible. I think a lot of people are going to be talking about that. Yeah, no, uh, fight choreography overall in this movie was fantastic and it melded very well with, with the uh with the special effects yeah, no hallway fights in this <laughs> <laughs> um a lot of a lot of cars flipping forward at one point though yes. which is I'm, I'm always here for <laughs> i'll never get tired of that i don't know why um one thing they did really cool uh effects wise was basically uh shuri in her lab has this sort of remote vehicle control sort of setup where you know you're in the chair and it's basically you know if it's a black lexus <laughs> product placement or you know a wakandan uh aerial craft you can basically just control it 
remotely and it kind of gives you this heads up display like you're in the cockpit of whatever it is you're driving and that was just presented very magically i thought it was done much better than um there was sort of a precedent of that in uh, the third iron man film with mm. the armor where he's not actually inside the armor and right yeah yeah and, and they played with that more in avengers 2 and spider-man homecoming so mm. you know I, like i said the tech here was definitely just a lot fresher a lot different i hope we see more of it in infinity war uh you know there's supposed to be you know clearly a battle scene in wakanda coming and uh you know this is the fun part this is where we speculate because there's still a sixth infinity stone out there the soul stone um rob why don't you share what you think your theory is? which i think you know there was a a significant clue that literally fell from the sky in this film um it's you know there's a little bit of backstory when the movie opens about uh, a vibranium meteorite that crashes to uh to africa um and it actually affects the plant life and the flora around and that's actually gives the, that's the origin of the black panther's powers is actually from a flower that mm-hmm. you know is uh fed yeah and uh allows him to commune with his ancestors but uh you know my theory is that you know inside because there's still a considerable hunk of vibranium there that's somewhere in the middle of it is probably the stone mm-hmm. uh so we've got we've got three months to go mm-hmm till uh till the big dance uh get a little bit of a teaser in that last credit scene it's probably pretty much exactly what you think it is uh you know if you saw civil war and you know the nice thing is i mean you know coming out of this movie i immediately wanted to see it again and knowing that in three months we're going to see some of these characters again and it kind of speaks again to that confidence in this film you know that it it really was going to catch on with the audience that you know wakanda is going to be such a significant part of the marvel universe the the hype going into this first of all is real is well earned is well deserved but you know the fact that in the first trailer for infinity war you're already seeing okoye running alongside the other Mm -hmm. heroes as an equal um again a place that she she earns um you know the fact that box office pre-orders were the highest for this that ever existed for a movie uh you know the fact that it earned all of that, you know, this is again a little bit of broken recordism here, but chapter nineteen of a franchise, and I can't I can't remember the last the last time a, you know a Marvel movie had this positive an impact in a franchise that generally gets good press. Yeah, not just a great movie, but an important one. Yeah. No, no, definitely, um, definitely a precedent setter. I mean. You know, going into it, you know, this this is the kind of movie that you would see a lot of, you know, Hollywood executives or whatever kind of frown at. Like, you know, well, we have to hit those four quadrants or, you know, maybe we, you know, a certain audience would go, would be good with this. No, they, they, they just came out with it. You know, this is a movie for everybody. Mm-hmm. And it works. I mean, it is a very broadly entertaining film. And... But definitely celebrating, you know, a lot of the finest black actors in Hollywood right now. Very much, yes. You know, and it, it is unapologetically, uh, you know, black both on the cam, you know, on camera and and behind it. I don't think I, Ryan Coogler handled this movie so well, and you know, we've we've seen portrayals of Africa in the past that were maybe not as generous or as accurate, like the Toto song Africa, <laughs> but. Uh, no, I, I don't know. <laughs> or you know, I'm kind of gushing here, but I really can't. I don't have a bad thing to say about it. Well, the only two, the, the only two, two things, 
you know, you could make a case that they did straight wash Okoye and they had her with Daniel Kaluuya's character instead mm-hmm. of AO, which is traditional from the comics. Right. Um, you know, I think if you're part of the LGBT audience, you know, you'd have a right to take issue with that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And other than that, Claw makes a joke about SoundCloud that falls flat. And <laughs> that's my biggest beef. <laughs> um, I mean, there's some very on the point, you know, commentary about immigration. Yeah. It's made in the film. And it's it's a very timely piece of work. I mean, it's going to be something that you can revisit in 10 years. And it's not dated, but it's definitely a product of its time. Mm-hmm. And, and just, I think the way that they consider, you know, what if a country like Wakanda were real? You know, this advanced African civilization that has the most, you know, advanced technology in the world. What is it doing to help? you know the black community worldwide which is why killmonger was such a sympathetic villain you know um he's he is the magneto was right t-shirt of this movie very much yeah Yeah. anything anything else we wanted to uh kind of point out with uh with black panther i don't know like i said we're 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 doing this really off the cuff right now i mean there's no script there's there's no nothing you know just kind of going into it fresh i'm sure you know, I could probably stew on a couple of uh, really thoughtful ideas to, you know, spit out like a week from now. But, you know, just coming out of it raw right now, it's just, you know, it's great. It's just a great piece of work. I am and, thankful for this movie. Yes. yes. Um, let's be cheap real quick. <laughs> do you want to rank it? Do you feel like, do you feel like it? Oh, God, I'm terrible with this. Um, you know, like I told you when the movie was over, um, I don't know where to rank it, but probably the best time that i've had with a marvel movie since the winter soldier and i and i've loved you know a lot of them mm-hmm. you know even some of the lesser ones you know I, I had a good time with you know the dark world i actually <laughs> thought was half decent when we saw it. i think it's kind of depreciated a little bit since but you know my, my son has been he's been very excited about infinity war and so he's wanted to rewatch the Marvel movies that had the stones in them. Mm-hmm. And I think the to date the only one we haven't touched is Thor: The Dark World. <laughs> oh, you want you want to watch uh, the first Captain America? Okay, great. You want to watch uh, uh, first Guardians again? Fantastic. You want to watch Thor: The Dark World? Let me pull up this clip on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. um, I think it's in my top five. You know. The, the one it sort of shoves out is is the first Avengers movie, and that's that's saying something because there's still there's magic in that that first getting the band together movie. But I, I feel like you know it's up there with with Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. which is still my number one, and you know the first Guardians and Civil War, and to be honest, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, I mean it just is a pure comedy, you know, entertaining yeah. piece. I mean, here's the thing, you know, since the the first Avengers, which is very much like an event film. Um, the movies have really kind of progressed since then, and they've become more personal, more topical. Yeah, more special. I, I that that that's kind of a weird you know way to put it, but I I would say the 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 last super well, Age of Ultron was the one that I, the last one that I was very lukewarm to. You know, I've pretty much all enjoyed. So if you're riding in the middle of the pack. Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, you're still pretty good. Yeah. I mean, even those movies had a very sort of specialized personal touch to it. Age of Ultron, I think, was probably the last of the really big Marvel movies that felt like it was made by committee. 
I mean, yeah. that, that was before the split, you know, between the film division and... Between Feige and Perlmutter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you could definitely tell, I mean, where the split happened. I mean, now, I mean, they're, they're just very go-for-broke, you know, and they are willing to hire more, like, idiosyncratic talent to do these films with, you know, few restrictions. And it's wonderful. I mean, it, it makes for, you know, good art. And, I mean, face it, these are the kind of movies that you're not really going to look at normally and say that they're art. But, you know, th- this is definitely the one, I think, to show, to you know, the people probably don't even watch the movies that say they're tired of you know oh god there's another comic book movie there's another marvel movie yeah if, if your argument is they're all samey i would definitely show that show them this and say not not really right you know maybe the last battle scene where there's mm-hmm. you know aerial ships flying around and well no that had charging rhinos with battle armor <laughs> yes. come on that's rad <laughs> if you don't like bat- rhinos and battle armor you're dead inside mm-hmm. i don't want <laughs> Um, yeah. All right, cool. Well, uh, yeah, so that was us on Black Panther. Um, I'm sure you have a a million podcasts with reactions to Black Panther to listen to, but I thank you for selecting ours. (laughs) Bye for now. Take care. That's it for this week's show. Real quick, I'd like to apologize to my other guest co-host, Matt Lazowitz. We'd recorded a whole segment on whether weekly comics were a smart shipping strategy uh, that would have sounded great if not for my dog, Chewy, barking the entire way through it. Chalk it up to a learning experience for me. Anyway, you can follow Rob Lynch at Lynch by Lynch and me at Daniel P. Grote. And you can find more comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views at WMQComics.com and the WMQ Comics Facebook and Twitter pages. We'll see you next time, whenever next time happens to be.